We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Okay, so Shabbat Cholamoyed in a moment. We're going to read from the Torah, and then in a couple of moments after that, we're actually going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Kohelet. So important. <clears throat> the reading this morning um, is from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 12. So it's really on page 538, but I want to start with you on page 536. As we did this morning in the open book, the Torah this morning will bring us <clears throat> to a moment in the Exodus narrative because essentially we're done with Torah for the year. The reading of the Torah now is interrupted. Um, we've finished the Torah, basically. We're going to come back to Vizot Abracha, the last portion of Deuteronomy on Simchat Torah evening on Monday night. We'll conclude the Parshiot. We'll conclude the Torah. But this morning, we're going to go back to the book of Exodus, to the Parsha of Kitisa. And the Torah will... Um, will bring us into a moment that we'd rather forget, maybe. A moment where the, the Jewish people have ruptured the covenant. There's a tear in the fabric of the Jewish, commu- of the Jewish community. There's a, a rending in the garment of, of, of the narrative. The narrative was taking, had taken us to Mount Sinai, receiving Torah, and then the golden calf story. And so in the aftermath of that trauma, which of course is the centerpiece of the, Torah, of, of the Exodus narrative, <clears throat> the fall. We are shown a path towards forgiveness, towards towards essentially Yom Kippur. The second tablets are given on Yom Kippur. We're forgiven on Yom Kippur. And here in the middle of Sukkot, on Shabbat Sukkot, we're going to read about Moses saying to, to God, we're not going to read it, but it's in the context of that story. Moses says to God, God says to Moses, listen, I have a deal. Listen, let's just do away with this, this people because they're really a bit, they're pain in the tochas. Let's just, me and you. Hey, me and you, let's go. Come on, we got it. It's a good thing. The Jewish people are, are, are not so easy. And they don't deserve it. And Moshe doubles down, right, in his leadership. He says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving the scene. If you're going to get rid of them, you might as well get rid of me too. And this morning, um, in our open book, we had a couple of amazing moments. One of them was when, um, um, I think it was, was it Rabbi Elise who said it? Yeah, it was a re- Rabbi Elise said, the word erasure, mecheni, and the word neche, which means to lead, are the same letters, or the same, they sound so similar. And she just left it at that. It was like hanging over our class this morning, that the word mecheni, where Moses says, erase me, mecheni, and then when God responds, it says, No, nechei, you lead the people. Tanche, lead. Those words are they have the same letters, the same sound. And there's a connection she wanted to bring between erasure and leadership. And she left it there. I mean, that's just to, just to leave that as a, something to think into. Is the job of the leader 
to be mindful of those who are erased? Is it part of the leadership skills of someone who was erased? Moshe erases himself, as it were, from one of the parshiot of the Torah. Moses doesn't even show up. He's erased. Is it that his leadership should be to, to counter erasure? Should he bring his own feelings of having been erased? Like, what's that? But it was a beautiful introduction. There's something to think about. Very beautiful. And so here we have that story where Moses is about to say, no, don't erase them, and if you do, then erase me. And then Moses creates, or we're told about the creation of the Oa Moed, of the tent of meeting where people could meet Moses. And then verse 12, where we'll begin this morning, where Moses says to God, look, I want you, I will take the people up. I will elevate with the people. I will bring them up. You tell me to lead, but you haven't given me yidi'ah, this word yidi'ah, lada, to know, to know in some way. And this is the precursor, of course, to what we'll read where Moses asked God to know God in a very unique way, a very intimate way. And clearly, I think for, for, for me, this isn't just about forgiveness. It's one thing to be forgiven. It's also, how do we get back to a place of intimacy, a place of trust, a place of, of connection, a place of meeting, a place of knowing one another? And the linchpin, the word here that connects this moment's reading to Sukkot, I think, and I said this morning, is the word yidi'ah, ladat, to know. I really want to know you. Right? That's what Moshe says. I really want to know you. And then God repeats that knowing over and over again. And that connects to Sukkot for this reason. The only word, the only time the word knowing is used in any of the biblical festivals or holidays is in conjunction with his connection to Sukkot. Something about Sukkot, we're told, is Laman Yedu Dorotechem. For, that, for the sake that all generations will ladat, will know. Sukkot is a holiday, at least in all of the mystical and rabbinic mystical and Hasidic literature of yidi'ah, of knowing. Ladat, to know. Gnosis. Something about Sukkot participates in knowing that then connects us to this reading this morning where Moses asked God that I may know you. Ladat, and God says, well, how do you want to know me? They go back and forth. So what does knowing mean in the context of Sukkot and for us this morning as we open up? I said last night, in the name of the Trisker Magid, Magid, the great rabbi of Hasidic lineage, that when he was about to enter into the Sukkot, into the Sukkah on the evening of Sukkot, he stood at the entranceway for a long time. And those who were around him, says the story, Tamahu lefasher hadavar. They weren't clear on how to understand this, this hiccup, this strange behavior. Vihisbir, Rabbi Kadosh, the, the rabbi said, Bevo'i as I was coming close to the sukkah, I wound up contemplating. Didn't we just say in all of these holidays that we are compared to a broken vessel, a broken pot? 
ואם כן, איך אני רשאי להיכנס לסוכה? How then am I permitted to walk into the sukkah? He said, we know that there is a halakha, Jewish law says, asur lachnis kli cheres into the sukkah. It's for, it's, you're not allowed to schlep a broken vessel into the sukkah. It's considered carrying. You're not supposed to do that. V'shuv chashavti said to himself, and then I thought to myself, Hare amru chazal, our rabbis taught kli cheres, that when it comes to koshering, making vessels kosher in Jewish law, there are three types of vessels. There's a glass, there's earthenware, and there's metal. Glass you can make kosher. Metal you can make kosher through libun, through heat. Glass you can boil water, but if something becomes unkosher by coming into contact and it's earthenware, you can't fix it unless you break it. What kind of fixing is breaking a, you know, an earthen vessel? So he said, ah, that's it. Ein lo tikkun, it can't be fixed unless it's broken. He said, lachain nishbar levavenu. He said, my heart is broken because of all that I see in the world. Lev nishbar v'nitkeh, God says a broken heart is whole. And so even though we are like an earthen vessel that's broken, he said, I'm whole that way. And now I can enter into the sukkah. There's nothing wrong. So this quality of sukkot, of being broken, is also a kind of knowing. Being able to recognize and understand that even though we just finished Yom Kippur, we go into sukkot, we're not walking into sukkot under the pretense, under the false knowing that everything is great. We're not walking into Sukkot thinking that the joy that we experience is a joy that doesn't include some of the brokenness and some of the sadness and some of the tears and some of the shvira in the world, some of the brokenness, the shattered quality of this world. The Sukkot is big enough to hold that too. And that's also a kind of truth and knowing. He goes on to say another Hasidic teaching, which is really amazing. The kind of knowing that we're describing about Sukkot is really profoundly integrative and whole. It includes both the shadow that covers the Sukkah because every Sukkah has to have more shadow than light, but it includes the light too. The Yotzeor Uvarechoshech, both of those. And then the Hasidic teaching goes on to say this, which is where I want to open up and invite people forward. There is a Hasidic tradition that all of the names of God are in the sukkah, meaning the sukkah is itself a name of God, all of it. The word shalom, which is associated with sukkot often, is the name of God. So the sukkah, all of it, including the walls, the schach, it's all a name of God, including the floor. Which, of course, gave rise to a number of Hasidic teachings, literally pages that I've read and read every year, where the Rebbe say, what kind of mitzvah is it when I'm stepping on God's name? How could it be that I can walk into a sukkah and if everything here is a name of God, holy, what is it? You can look at this if you want to see the sources in Parshat Ekev, many sources, the Hasidic sources. What is it to walk and every step is I'm actually walking on God? God's name, as it were. So the Rebbe says something very profound. He said, knowing, yidi'ah, to know, 
God is to know God both in that which surrounds us, is above us, and also in the ways that we walk in the world, in the ways that we walk together, in the ways even sometimes that we trample, as it were, on God's name. That there is a quality of knowing that includes all of that, not just the heights, but the depths, not just the walls, but the dirt, not just the beautiful clouds, all of it. I feel as though we as a country are struggling continuously with this truth each and every year of, that I've been alive. Our history and is a history that struggles with stories of grandiosity and realities on the ground where it isn't exactly that way. We struggle to admit, to acknowledge, to see the shadow that we bring. We struggle as a country to both hold our power and our our failures. We fear them. We fear the vulnerability that comes with admitting that we make mistakes and continue to make them and make them and make them as if admitting mistakes and then acting to correct them is somehow weak. We want to be more than human. We want to be more than every other country, more than every other place, more than every, more than, more than, exceptional, 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 except for. And Sukkot as a metaphor, as an analogy, as a reality, is a space that includes light and dark, that includes the ground we step on, the things we trample upon. It invites us into courage, and that says, because it uses knowing, that there is a knowing that is incomplete unless we are sukkah Unless we can hold that. So this morning's open up in light of this week. And for those who weren't here last night, I spoke about it so emotionally, it's very hard. If you weren't here last night, you might be like, where's the... It was very emotional last night. It was very open, it was very raw, and it was very intense for me and for many of us here and so I apologize if you know you're hoping that we're going to get raw again this is as raw as I can be and many of you here this week along with me and others we were crying in disbelief and terrified and angry but I want to lift up Dr. Ford again I want to lift up Anna Maria Arquila and Maria Gallagher again as midwives of the country that we could become. A place where we don't fight necessarily. We don't have to flee. We don't have to leave the room unless we need to leave the room. In which it's holy. Holy fighting, holy leaving. And we don't have to freeze, but we can feel it. Just feel the generations of patriarchy this week. And I'm sorry, I'm not usually very political, but it doesn't feel very political to me. This feels very moral. This is it. See, the power of someone who said, this was my experience. Don't erase me from your book. And all the Moses is that should have said, we won't erase you, but if you are erased, then we should be erased. That's what we're reading this morning. If we will erase you, then we might as well be erased too. So we have work to do. What's new? 
It's another year, a lot of work to do, more work maybe than we can remember having. But we have power 35 days from now, and we will have power again. But for the moment, this open up this morning is a call in your own life. Because God forbid we should only look outside at the world and not inside at this world. A call in our own lives to be yodim, to be those who yearn to know. And to know integratively, to know the things that we can't know, and to invite that and please and let me see, be a mirror for me. How can I help me feel the totality of this and not run and not fight and not collapse? To have that power, that is a power that will heal each, each of us individually and our collective as well. For the sake of the Trisker Rabbi, the Trisker Rav, who said a broken vessel can come and should come into a sukkah in order for knowing to happen. I invite those forward this morning who identify with that knowing that Moses will also say this morning to speak and be blessed by knowing that to hold shadow, light, strength to feel and power to speak. Please come forward if that is where you are this morning for the first Aliyah.